Hello, and welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. Today I'm on a road trip again, headed uh, south to see Mr. Batim Barisha, the janitor here at BBI Autospot. That's me. So, Batim, thank you so much for firstly turning the vacuum off and spending some time to have a chat with me today. Yeah, thanks for coming. No, no, it's uh, it's not a problem. I managed to set up a little late, so I got to avoid the traffic. Um, the 405, as some people might know, sometimes gets a little busy. Yeah, the parking lot. Yeah, but uh, I was managed able to avoid that. But, uh, but Tim, how are you going today? What's, what is happening with you? Because we're talking this the uh, a few days before a certain event that I'm assuming you're going to be attending up north. Correct. Yeah, we're, um, we're kind of knee-deep in the prep for Rensport Reunion right now. And three of the cars already left, and the last car is leaving today at about 4 o'clock. And we're... Um, we're uh, for some reason, I think we're a little ahead of schedule, which well, is weird. <laughs> well, that's well, that's good to be ahead of schedule one time, right? Yeah, once you know, one time during an event. So, what are you guys going to be doing? So, what are your role? What have you been? What are the cars you've been working on for Rensport? We have we've worked pretty closely with Michelin and Mothers to mm-hmm. do a couple display cars up there. We have a Carrera GT up there that has some fun goodies on it and a nice chassis setup. And then we have um, the fun car that. We, we competed at Pikes Peak with uh, Jeff Zwart mm-hmm. back 2013, 14, and 15. So that car is going to be running on track um, in about two days. So that that was the big push. We kind of restored the car because okay. it, it, it went to Goodwood. Okay. And then that was in, I believe, in 16. And the car kind of got put away in a museum. And then it went out of the museum, went down to Porsche Experience in, Los An- or in, in Atlanta. Yep, and then it stayed there for about four and a half, five months, and then it just got shipped back here, and we kind of went through it, put a new fuel cell in it, you know, all you know, detailed the whole underside of the car, um, you know, the the typical spark plugs, oil change, just kind of bringing it back up, and the car's kind of ready to go now. We're just doing a final setup on it, and and so uh, I'm assuming Jeff's going to be is Jeff driving it then on track? Yeah, Jeff will be driving it. So so is that before or after the tractor race? I I think it's going to be after the tractor race. Okay. We'll see. We'll see which I don't know which one's going to psych them out more. <laughs> you know, a 700 horsepower, 2700 horse or 2700 pound uh cup car or a like a 4000 pound ta- uh, tank of a tractor right, around right. track. I mean, so are you going to be doing any driving or are you going to be mostly walking around uh, at Rensport? I'm just going to be walking around and spectating. Okay. Yeah, I'll be I'll be supporting the the cup car where I where I need to be. Um but outside of that, the car is going to run. The, the owner of the car has a crew that's going to be working on it. And I think I'm going to be eating some brats, drinking some beer, and looking at some cool Porsches so for once in my life. So you're saying you're doing it the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's this year it kind of all fell into place and was able to get everything done and go up there and just relax and actually enjoy it. You know, I've been working in racing for the last, well, since 1998. You know, I've been to Le Mans, I've been to Daytona, Sebring, all the epic races, but I've never been there as a spectator. I've always been there working. Yeah, and and there's a difference between working and spectating. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, working takes every ounce of your focus. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you get to the – when I went to Le Mans, the, the coolest parts were where I'd leave for break and I'd just go wander for a little bit. But, you know, you're right back and – you and could, you have to be like in the zone, in the zone well. the whole time. So you, the the awe factor, you kind of lose that. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost when when you separate from that a little bit, you get that awe and what kind of makes everything cool again. And um, that's a lot, that's a lot of fun. That to me is is some of the, you know, you're like, man, I used to be in this, but I I never really paid attention to all of the the cool things that made you know all of us passionate about this. Yeah, as for someone obviously that attends events and and has worked many many events, it is certainly nice when you get to like step back and enjoy it so right. to speak 
no agenda. Just go actually look at the stuff you've you've always read about and looked at and thought thought about, and then you get to see it. Yeah, because I happened to do that for this last uh, car week, where I was able to go. I didn't have any like set agenda. I was kind of able to make my own schedule. Just planned it for a few events. I was able to attend like the the tour, the Quayo, the reunion, and then obviously the Concours. And it was just nice just to be able to sort of just focus on that rather than have to run around everywhere and try and avoid traffic. Yeah, that's that's. That's the way to go, but we'll see how it works. I mean, maybe I get, maybe I'll be elbows deep in a car. Hopefully not, but you know, <laughs> if the need arises, you're ready to dive in. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. So, with that being the case, then, is, can we can we take a step back on the your 20 years of being involved in like actual like elbow deep in Porsche, so to speak? How was it that you came to be to that point in like '98? What was it that set you up before then to be like, you know, what I want to work with cars, I want to work with fast cars, and I want to work like with Porsche what I was can, it yeah I, I can I can make a short story long or a long story short but we, I can we can do whichever yeah, you want you know in short it it kind of started I've always been obsessed with cars mm-hmm. um, grew up in Washington State and you know my parents didn't really know much about cars they, point A to point B my dad kind of liked them you know so when I was 14 my aunt sold my dad and I a 67 Mustang okay and so we started kind of tinkering with it and then I started doing you know, dumb kid things and doing burnouts and blowing up rear ends and transmissions and engines and having to learn to fix it with my dad. So it was a fun way from 14 to 16 before I even got my license to um, learn a little bit about cars. But we kind of did it the, the backyard way, you mm-hmm. know, not doing an engine block in the, in the you know, engine rebuild, but leave the block in there because it was too heavy to pull out, things sure. like that. And then um, I told my dad, he's like, hey, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, I, I want to be a race car driver. And he said, oh, well okay, we don't, I mean, we don't have the money to send you to, so you, you need to learn about cars. So I started yeah. working at a gas station. And also, let's be honest here, becoming a racing driver is, one, possibly expensive, mm-hmm. and two, it's rather difficult as well. Yeah, yeah, and especially when you have zero ties to anything racing. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you've never actually been a racetrack. And, and, and you're obviously a teenager at this point of not being go-karting for like 15 years already. Right, and who doesn't want to be a race car driver? Exactly. Every every teenage, yeah. you know, guy. So Whenever you get girl. the keys, you're a race car driver, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, so then I started working at a Texaco gas station as just a cleanup guy, and, mm-hmm. and um, and then from there, my, my buddies and I were all kind of knuckleheads in cars and, you know, doing... Really, I mean, can I say shit on this? You just have, yeah. So I mean, yeah, doing stupid things in uh, in cars and surprise, we're still alive. And so then we worked. We all kind of followed each other. We worked at a, a Ford dealership, and there was this place called Park Place Motors up in Washington State that um, did luxury and exotic cars. And I'd always we had a BMX racetrack not too far from that that we'd always go to. So we'd all stop in there and look at all the cool cars. And mm-hmm. there's like replica Cobras and you know 930 turbos and. Basically every poster we've ever had on our walls, you know the the Countach and the and the Diablo, you know and things the like forty, yeah, yeah, of course, and, and so the nine five nine and everything else that comes along with I didn't, that. I didn't see the nine five nine there, but yeah, all of that good stuff. So um, I begged them to give me a job. They said, "All right, when you turn sixteen, come see us." I turned sixteen. They said, "Oh, our insurance not till you're 18. So then, <laughs> literally the day I turned eighteen, I went there, and they said, "Okay, you're hired." And I kind of knew the family just by you know being there all the time. The annoying kid that shows up three times a week and asked a million questions when they're trying to obviously sell trying cars. Work, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so I was that guy and I, I worked there. I caused a lot of trouble. I was kind of a, I mean, my cousin, my buddies, we all worked there. So it's like, imagine, you know, we're, it's like our dream job. So it was like we're a washing... family business, but it wasn't your family. Well, it was your family, but it wasn't your business. Right. Right. And so, uh, you know, we were washing all the cars there doing, you know, the, we'd call it the morning wash every Saturday, even if it's frozen out there, mm-hmm. we had to wash all the cars on the lot and, but we we had a lot of fun with that, and 
it's kind of funny because all of our buddies who've worked there either gone off and started their own businesses in the car world or they they all kind of spread out in the car world and um in the back of the shop there was a guy named Greg Fordall who had a Porsche race shop. It was a smaller shop, but you know, he turns out the guy's also the chassis engineer for Porsche Motorsport North America's supported teams. So essentially he would do, that was his main deal. His other deal was the the race shop back there. Who he still has a, a nice race shop, and he's probably one of the most talented chassis engineers I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd always bug him, and I say, "Hey, what's it going to take to what's it going to take to be in this industry?" You know, here's a kid washing cars. He said, "It's a school of hard knocks," and I've never heard that before. So I didn't know what that meant. I thought that was, I was like, so I looked at him. I go, "Where do I look this up?" He goes, "Oh man." <laughs> he goes, "If I have to tell you," he goes, "Just get out of here. Just run." You know. And so then I asked a couple people, "What does that mean?" And they started laughing and. So long story short, I started kind of working in his shop as, at night. I'd get off at 8 p.m. and I'd go sweep his floors and just hang out mm-hmm. until about 10. They were always working late there. And they had a – at that time, this was in 98, they had a 993 RSR that they were campaigning. Randy Popst and Kim Hiskey were driving it. And they were doing back then the Grand American Circuit. And, you know, I was always just oogling over the stuff. And then I said, I need to go to a race with you. I need to go to a race with you. I asked him for about a year until about 99 – one day he finally said... Perseverance will pay off, everyone. That's just a factor here. Yes, and one day he just said, you know, our left front tire changer can't make it. You know, so you got to come out. The the guy who typically cleans the car and takes care of it, he's going to be changing tires. I need somebody to run tires. And I was like, anything. So I asked my boss at the time, hey, hey, can I have time off? He said, no. I said, okay, book my ticket. I'm out. (laughs) And uh, I came back, and they they fired me on the spot when I got back because I just left anyways. And... uh, we went to mid Ohio. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, all these GT cars and prototypes. And this was in 99, June of 99. I remember it because I had my birthday out there. Um, yeah. So I was hooked and the tire changer who, who was supposed to, who used to clean the car wasn't very fast. So Greg said, Hey, why don't you try? And I said, okay, awesome. They were just kind of making fun of the new guy, you know? Yep. So I went out there and he goes, Hmm, you know, you, you seem so we practiced 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 my hands were bleeding till i think 11 at night <laughs> and um fun times then yeah and so doing practice practice uh uh tire changes and he would take the rental car and drive it behind just messing with me while we're doing the pit stop and try to squeeze me against the against the car mm-hmm. on the rev limiter just yep. like cruising by and and so he said all right you're changing tires so my, the first time i ever went to a racetrack i got to change the 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 right front tire on a and I did it, and I was hooked since then. So, came back. Greg gave me a job, thankfully because Th- yeah. And so yeah. I I was very thankful for that opportunity. And he felt bad, you know. He's like, well, shit, you kind of got fired. <laughs> Come hang on. And you kind of uh, got fired because of me. So he, yeah. So he, he he ended up taking me under his wing and and teaching me. All, I mean, nowhere near close to everything he knows, but t- taught me a lot about working on Porsche. So for the next four or five years, I worked with him. And then after I kind of cut my teeth with him, I was in my what would I be? I was just turning 21, maybe 22 years old. And he brought me along with Alex Joe bracing in the ALMS circuit. And I was changing tires with them. And so I just made it a mission to be the fastest tire changer. And, okay. And I, whether I was or not, I tried my hardest, you know, and, and, um, I was always quick, you know, and, and then that's how I kind of got to know people at Porsche Motorsport through that. And I was in my early twenties. And then, um, I got, I left Fordall, came down to Southern California to work for a group called Mind Over Motorsport. They're no longer around, but um, fast forwarding to that, I, I ended up uh, still working with Alex Job and Greg, even when I came down here. And that job, 
I lasted, I think, four and a half months there. I was living on my boss's couch. We didn't see eye to eye, and I was, I was a punk kid. You know, I would have. Sure. Right, you're looking at me now. I've, yeah, you know, I've got employees here who are, are just incredible. They're the same age as I was then. You know, and, and some, you're saying they're maybe a little bit better behaved than you some days. A hundred percent. Yeah, and and so I ended up getting. They said they couldn't afford me. Basically, they fired me. So sure. I, I drove up from San Diego to Southern Cal or to. Um, uh, Santa Ana to I just wanted to see Porsche Motorsport mm-hmm. I want, because I've met the guys and I wanted to go in the dyno room so I went and checked it out and they're like hey what are you doing here I'm like oh I'm I'm just cruising right now I'm gonna go meet my family up in LA my sister has a soccer game they flew down for so I'm gonna spend a couple of days with them but nothing really is like well what do you mean I said, well, I kind of got fired from my job I'm homeless right now because my boss was my house and yeah. uh I don't know what I'm gonna do you know and and Henry he was the technical director at Porsche Motorsport North America. He said, "Hey, you want a job?" And I said, "Are you are you freaking kidding me?" Absolutely. And so um, that that it wasn't actually that easy. I had to convince Alan Springer and Uwe Bredel and all these guys that this guy, this kid with no college background, no motorsport background, I can barely turn on a computer, you know, but I can change a tire. Was that what happened? Did you get everyone's cars out front and you just like said, "Look, it's a tire showdown, and let's I can change a tire." <laughs> any of you guys? I wish. Actually, what got me the job is. I, I was sitting in the meeting with Henry, Uwe, and Alan Springer. Alan Springer was retiring as the, the head of PM&A at the time. Uwe Bredel was coming in, so I was his first hire. But they said, well, why should we hire you? I said, because I want your job. I want your job one day. And they, you know, I was, 20, I was 23 at the time, and they both started laughing. I go, I'm serious. I, that, that's, my dream job is your job, so I'll do everything I can. You want me to sweep the floors here, clean the toilets? I will be the best toilet scrubber, floor sweeper, anything it takes to get in here, and I'll show you that I can do it. And he goes, all right, you little shit, I'll give you a chance. And so they did, and I worked there for, from 03 to 07. But I've always had, in the back of my head, I really always wanted to start my own business. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know why, because it's demented. But I um, I started BBI about an o kind of as a side project in 06, just because I like tinkering with other things. I mean, I think I lowered a Cadillac Escalade for a buddy of mine. I changed oil for you know friends and you know and just slowly started doing that. And then sure, and you got to start someplace, of course. Yeah, and then um, I linked up with a guy named Joey Seeley actually earlier on in this whole adventure. So we kind of came up through the racing ranks together, and I told him, I'm like, hey man. I started this company, BBI, and we've always talked about it. And I said, I need you to move down here. He was living in Seattle at the time. So he did. And I said, we'll partner up. You take the back of the shop. I'll take the front of the shop. We'll, 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 just, do, we're, you know, we'll just do this. We were like 26 at the time and 27. And then, um, and then we, we just started running with it. And by the time we were in our late 20s, 28, this was in 08, we just both foot on, you know, foot on the gas and going to town. And so that's kind of the long story short. It's it was just a shitload of hard work, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 um, not really knowing where my, my end goal was just my, my whole thing was, I always just wanted to be the best. You know, I had my health, I had five fingers or 10 fingers, 10 toes. I had everything I needed to, I just always had it in my head. I, and I don't know why, maybe this is cocky or not, but I was like, why should somebody else be better if I can put the amount of the same amount of energy in? And I had no, no problem working 18 hour days at all. It was like a, not really a badge of honor, but it was just, you know, hey, this is what we got to do to make it happen. And hopefully you don't work too many 18 hour days these days. No, I try not to. Yeah. And you know, the, if we, if we stay past six thirty, it's kind of a weird day. <laughs> yeah, so, so what is it then about that you enjoy so much about the cars that you work on in particular? So I, I've always been drawn to Porsche my entire life. Um, 
I've said this before. I was eight years old on my cousin's front yard, and we saw Bill Gates drive by in a 959, mm -hmm. and that was the gray market car. And um, that was one that he bought from Bruce Kennedy. I actually talked to Bruce about this not too long ago on an outlaw panel, and uh, I told him that that was kind of the inspiration because my cousin and I had the poster, and then we saw the thing go by, and we knew for a fact it wasn't a nine. It was a real nine five nine. And then we started looking into it, and oh yeah, he had one. So we tried chasing him at car shows and trying to. It never really worked because that was the only time I've ever seen that car. And didn't uh, he get that as a gift? I I'm not. I th maybe I thought it was one of his partners gave it to him as a gift because oh. he wanted the car, and then he thought, you know what, I'll give my mate Bill. He needs one too. Must be nice. And they have was, exactly friends and they're they're like, yeah. And they bought the two of them to to bring them over. I yeah, think. I'm, I'm stoked when I get a pair of socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah or yeah, mm -hmm. or, or lip balm or something. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. yeah. No. So that that was and so Porsche has always been something. You know, I always, I love the Lamborghinis. I love the Ferraris, the F40, obviously, and you know, so I I'm a product of the the 80s. You mm -hmm. know, and so. Um, Not that we want to age ourselves in that regard, but right. it was a very good time for cars, and oh, supercars in general. Yeah, an amazing time. Yeah, and so I don't know. I've always been drawn to Porsche. I drove my. I was 18 years old, washing cars, for, and I had no business. I drove my first 930 Turbo. We had to take it from Bellevue to downtown Seattle across the floating bridge, and I just remember like this is the first turbocharged anything I've ever driven. My boss was like, "This car will kill you, and I will kill you before it kills you," type of thing. He goes, "But we need to get it down to the, the Seattle Auto Show, or I think it was something like that." So, naturally, 140 miles an hour across a bridge, I was hooked. I was just like, this is insane. And it was a red car that was worked on by roof. And so it was, a, I think it was like an 87. Then they, they put the, the, the five-speed conversion in it. Um, it had a massive turbocharger on it, the big DP rear wing. I remember everything about that car, and it was, it was incredible. And, um, and so I've, I've just... But I'm sure your boss does not remember you going 140 miles an no, hour No, my boss remembers me showing up safely. And I followed the speed limit. Yep. Uh, yeah, which is obviously the case. Hundred, well, the only 140 was just in your head. Yeah, I was imagining like, this. Yes, yeah. you were imagining it. You're going across the bridge at the correct speed limit. Yeah, no so faster. Da yeah, Dave and Butch, if you ever hear this, I wasn't going 140 in that car. But um, yeah, so we, uh, I was just always enamored by them. And then when I started working at Porsche Motorsport, I, I was. I was seeing, you know, the racing world and seeing it unfold in front of me because I got to work with a lot of the teams because I was uh, I was an electronics engineer there. So I'd go plug in. I was wearing the white shirt, plug into everybody's car, check the data, look at everything, make sure everything's happy. If there was updates, you know, I could talk to them. And then once traction control got inter, uh, introduced, we before it was outlawed, I, so I started spending a lot of time with TC and working with that stuff. And so... I started seeing the rules and, and looking at racing, how, how political it was. And, and there was always an answer of how we could win a race, but sometimes maybe you didn't win the race. And, and I just started kind of saying, shit, I wish I could express what I really, truly want to do in, in a platform that didn't have these rules. And, and so, you know, the tuning market became very appealing to me. And it kind of by proxy, just both feet in, you know trying to build twin turbo gt3s when you know i had a i remember i had no business having a career gt and a 959 in my shop at the same time when i was 26 you know and but the, you did i did and, and my you, you were my, not unhappy about that whatsoever not a, not a bit there's a picture of me you know crawling on top of a career gt you know reaching down loosening the bulkhead bolt so we could separate it and put the clutch in it and and because I worked for Porsche Motorsport, I got to meet a lot of the clientele that had these cars, so that helped legitimize it. But my shop back then was just a 
a storage unit. I didn't have a front door. I didn't have a bathroom. I didn't have power. At the, well, I had power because I'd do a job and then I'd, I'd do the lights. But I st my front door was a roll-up door with a padlock on it. You know, so I didn't actually even have a mailing address. I was subleasing from the guy next to me that used to use it as a storage compartment. And but those, those I mean, we had so much fun. I mean, it, it was it was incredible. And like I said, a lot of work. But when you're doing it, you don't think of that. You're not thinking of oh, I got to do this because of that. And you know what else was awesome? We didn't have Instagram. We didn't. We barely had Facebook then. So I, it's not like we were trying to live up to anything outside of what our own imaginations were. You know, you just what, had MySpace and Tom was your first friend. Yeah, Tom was my homie, and uh, we had MySpace, and there was like 18 friends on there. But nobody was doing the whole flashy show off, check out all my stuff, and then you know, and and so it was it was awesome because our little storage unit was the mecca. Mm -hmm. You know, it was you know it was it was everything and. I'm I'm very thankful that I didn't have the pressures, the social pressures of upholding this image then that got in the way of my forward progress, you know. And I think I, yeah, I, I think some yeah, the younger generation are, are going to be, they're going to have to check themselves and and, and almost just if they're going to go work for something hard, you know, just delete all your social media and just bust your ass, you know, and and just do it because I think that was kind of a now that I look at it now, everything has to go on social media and this and that and, you know, so um, it was just a lot of fun then. And so what about it is the cars that, I mean, because you work on like a pretty specific set of cars. What about it is those cars in particular that you like working on them, sir? I love how robust a Porsche is. Yeah. I mean, it, you can do anything with it. I mean, as as you've seen with the Safari cars, have you seen with Pikes Peak, with, mm -hmm. with Perry Dakar back in the mid-80s, mid to late 80s, you see Le Mans, you see Daytona, you see... Trans-Siberian, you know what I mean? They're, yeah. You can do anything. Um, and they are so brutally strong. So the canvas that we get from Porsche is just amazing. And it doesn't take much. And, you know, it's not like, and I don't say that, oh, because we're tuners, we're doing anything better. I always emphasize that we're just personalizing these things. You know, the the 911 is built for a wide range of people. It has to work for demographic A to demographic Z, right? And the cool part about it is when we get a car, you're 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 one person with a vision, and and we have the technical ability to to nail that vision. You know whether it's better or worse than what Porsche did. It's something that it's an expression of your you, and we get the. I love I love the fact that we can tweak something and personalize it so much, and make somebody so happy with it. You sure. Know? And then so when I look at the workshop day, it seems like you were doing more so work on the more water cooled cars as opposed to the air cooled cars. Right. But there is obviously the resurgence in the air cooled cars. Right. And we see that now, especially growing with events like Lufka Cool and that. But what is it that you like working on the like the water cooled cars in particular? Is that because you got the thing for the more horsepower and you like going that way or You know, my my heart's still with air cooled. Yeah. You know, my passion is still the air cooled car. But mm -hmm. my um I mean, I spent four Your and a half. Acumen. Yeah, my business acumen is with the water. My, I really cut my teeth at Porsche Motorsport right at the right tail at the end. Yeah, yeah, the tail end of the air cooled engines. So we still did a lot of air cooled engines. I dynoed 962, 935, uh, 956 engines. Um, so I got to dyno all those engines. The, even the Teeler 3.8 liter uh, high horsepower um, RSR engines of the 993s. And then I saw the transition. The cool part is when I worked at Porsche in five years, when the first gt3 r engine came out had a carbon fiber manifold with a single restrictor in the middle of it to the time i left with the same well they went from they weren't at four liter yet when i left but from three six to three eight we saw a hundred horsepower increase in just technology in four and a half years of just refining that platform you know and it was awesome to see our 7800 rpm rev limiter 
you know, back then. And then when I left with the DPs, we were twisting them to 9600. And I, so obviously I was enamored with the the water cold Metzger, and that to me is is the, I mean that really excites me. But I mean, you look at the new singer with the Williams engine in it, and you hear Harris, Chris Harris ripping on that thing, and you hear the sound of it. Holy shit! It sounds like a really angry water cold Metzger. I mean, it has that just that that tearing metal, just angry. I'm moving shit tons of air through me sound and i love that you know so and seeing that car up close recently at at calwick i mean it's a truly incredible car i mean it also has a, a little bit of an incredible price tag to go along with it what, what is that price tag i think it's two and a half million isn't it are you serious yeah i mean but that's a one-off i mean it's a one-off concept so the idea being is this is what i think we can do but i think that's what they what is their target price on that i, I think that the idea is that i think they're going to build a couple of them but then it, I think it's obviously orders per spec. Wow. But the normal cars are much, not quite as... Not quite as no, they're not quite as radical, but the normal cars are still gorgeous. I mean, yeah. I've got to go to the, the Singer plant or factory or shop. Um, um, when he's not playing his bass guitar or whatever. Yeah, then he's... I've, gotten, I've gotten to go there a number of times, and uh, God, the attention to detail is incredible. You know, it's, it, it's pretty neat. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I haven't seen the, the lightweight car yet, but... Yeah, it's inc- incredible. I mean, yeah. just when you see it, it's like, yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to my my yeah my business, my 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 passion and my energy for refining the the, the Metzger platform has kind of kept me in the water cooled era. And now that the nine nine one engine's out, the nine A one or now it's the nine B two or nine A two is on the second gen. That engine's actually got a lot of potential. It's yeah. it's um it's a very I mean people were coming and hawing about it, but I mean that's going to be the first car that we ever do 2000 horsepower with that's going to be the first 10,000 rpm engine we do you know i think that it's got the platform and and the it's got the the nuts and bolts there you know it's not as romantic as the medsker the medsker is just such a solid salt i mean you know that that's just to me the end all be all engine you know it's you can still make almost 600 nao horsepower out of a medsker you know that to me is pretty incredible, which is perfect for giving groceries in. That's incredible, absolutely perfect. Yeah, so <laughs> that's um, I mean that's NA. You know, I'm talking turbo. I mean we've we've done a, a car that's made 1740 horsepower at the the hubs, you know, and that's with a 3.8 liter Metzger, but a bunch of boost and a lot of alcohol. Sure. Um, but that's uh, I guess to answer your question, yeah, my I still the, there's nothing better than driving an air cooled car. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you can do faster and everything, but there's nothing better than driving an air-cooled car. This feeling, I mean, every time I drive something like that, you, like, I drove a, a 67 911 uh, with a 2.7, twin-plug 2.7 that had all low back seats in it, all, you know, black car, burgundy interior, spaghetti steering wheel, had a nice gearbox in it, and a built 2.7. And, I mean, when you're ripping through gears in that thing and just cruising, you, 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 it's hard to not think about what, it felt like to drive that car at Le Mans, you know, and, and hearing the, the induction noise and, and the, the, you know, the bump steer in the front of the car and the, the skinny tires and just sliding it through corners. And you can't beat that driving experience. I mean, I, I, that to, still to this day was one of the most fun cars I've ever driven. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said about it. There is lots of fun to be had with them, but then sometimes modern things can be quite nice, like air conditioning. Oh yeah, AC, uh, PDK. You know yeah. that's there's there's a lot of cool things about that. Being able to just plug your iPhone in or your phone in straight away and give yeah. you GPS directions. These little things can be yeah. kind of nice sometimes. Yeah, they are nice. I mean, there's a place for everything, isn't there? Yeah. You know, but uh, you know, if you're after a driving experience, I mean, what it's very hard to to match that. I mean, 
and then so when you talk about these high horsepower cars like 1740 horsepower maybe 2000 plus horsepower what are you using these cars for i mean what are your customers what are they using they're using these for um half mile events you know on airstrips um and i know people say porsche wasn't designed to do that blah 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 i know but it's also a test bed for our engine program we have a pretty comprehensive engine program that we 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 build a lot of engines for people that race their cars that and a lot of people send us their engines we build them here and so the test bed you know it's also a great marketing tool to say holy crap they just want that quick in a porsche you know obviously you have three thousand horsepower twin turbo lamborghini showing up they go 256 miles an hour 261 or something like that in a half mile which to me is unbelievable but you know there's it's pretty it's pretty neat just to experience and um and very and you know and, and utilize the medsker for from from NA heritage racing all the way to kind of crazy half mile test beds and yeah and I can imagine that the driving a car in the half mile of, with that much power is kind of I mean I'm guessing above a certain speed it's kind of like yeah some of sorts yeah we we did that that two wheel drive car the fastest I ever gone in that car was two oh five and a half mile which it could have gone a lot quicker but I broke first gear in the burnout box so I had to start in second gear. And I was going from, I short shifted, just to give you an example, I short shifted from fifth to sixth because I had too much wheel spin, trying to keep the ass end of me at 185 miles an hour. So, because at fifth gear, that's when you, you give it all the boost, you know, because after 150, you think, quote unquote, you, you got the ass under the car. Yep. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> I remember when I hit it, the, the thing stepped over about two and a half lanes. I got a little bit of counter steer in, in it, and I, I pull for six, but to keep my foot down because you don't want to disrupt it in the middle of kind of sideways at that speed. So of course, yeah. You I try that to be a squeaky bum moment of sorts. Yeah, yeah. So that was, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I, I couldn't. I was just, man, if this car was really running, I mean, that's a 215 mile an hour car, you know, in the half traction limited, um, in two wheel drive. So yeah, it takes. It's it's a lot of fun and but you you see the chassis the chassis you just you yeah I mean it's got obviously a welded roll cage and it's all tied in everywhere but you you don't have the thing popping windows out or be, you know, making well over a thousand pounds of torque you know it's not the cars are just so strong and robust yeah you know and that's I love the flexibility of the 911 platform and then what other types of racing do you do with the car with the other cars then uh, we do you know there's a club racing um, we did Pikes Peak. That was a lot of fun. That was incredible. Um, building a Pikes Peak car out of a 997 Cup car and twin turboing it. Uh, that's incredible. We uh, the other engines race in various club racing stats. We don't. I don't. We, we don't really don't do anything in the pro racing circuit anymore. But that's not to say that we won't. You know, in the future. Sure. And, you're and, and you're always open to it, like you say. Yeah, and we. I mean, it's kind of. It's kind of the North Star, you know, the kind of the guiding light, like one day go back to Lamar, you know, I don't know, maybe when I'm 50 or 60, but it's, it, I, maybe we won't even have internal combustion engines then. Yeah. So I, I want to try to do it before we completely phase out the internal combustion engine at some point. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, and then a lot of people are weekend warriors, they're track day guys, they're, you know, um, yeah, it's just a lot of track days. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with a track day. Nothing wrong at all. I love it. That's like yoga. You yeah. get you get there. You put your helmet on. You only get to focus on one thing. It's driving. You get out. You feel relaxed. You're good for the next month, and then you do it again. You know. Yeah, and it's it's nice if you can also drive your car to the track rather than have to worry about trailering it up there. Yeah, yeah. I did. I, it was funny. I just did this Optima Streetcar Challenge in California Speedway Auto, Auto Club. It was a three day or two a day event. You had an autocross, a speed stop challenge, and then the open track. And 
I asked one of my customers if I could borrow his convertible 997.2 that we built up. Makes about 700 horsepower. It's a convertible PCH car, but it has all cup car suspension in it. And we were able to retain the four-wheel drive with a lot of machining. And so I took it out, and I won the autocross overall out of 80 cars. I did the speed stop challenge on the left side. I won that overall. On the right side, I was second. Uh, and then in my run group, it, I think I was at least a second and a half faster than everybody in my run group. I wasn't quite fast as on track because there was some other cars out there that, I mean, they were impre really impressive cars. There was a Viper ACR with nitrous. There, there was, I mean, it's, it's kind of run what you brung, and I showed up in a beach cruiser. Yeah. Yeah, so it was... You mean, the, what would have probably helped you is if you had a surfboard yeah. in it for the extra downforce. Exactly, exactly. No, but that it shows, you know, and then it, it just, I had so much fun. I drove the car to the track, blasting the radio, top down, you know, every morning I'd come back, or, you know, it's, it's, and people are trailering their cars out there. It's just fun to do that, you know? And then, so what is it that you guys are then working on for the future then? What, I should say, what have you got in the shop now that you can talk about, that you're excited about? Well, we're building a 993 right now. Um, it's a pretty exciting project. It's it, it's an RWB car, but we put 997 knuckles on it from the GT3R, and then has Crayer GT hubs, and we built all of our own control arms, subframes, and recorrected all the geometry. So instead of having a dished wheel to take up the fenders, I mean, we pushed everything out. Before we cut the body and the, all the suspension was on there and the wheels were positioned, that brake calipers were hanging two, in, two inches outside of the OEM bodywork. So real long control arms, um, all corrected geometry, low center of gravity. So that, that's a really cool one. Inboard mounted dampers. And so I'm assuming that's going to go compete at the events over in the Idlers race? Yes. we're going to. It's going to be a street car, but we're going to go compete in that. Normal aspirated 4.1 liter. And it's going to compete to win. Oh, absolutely. There you go. Yeah, See, I like it. That we're, yeah, that's what, that's why you compete, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what, yeah, I don't know anything Second else. Second place is for losers. That's, that's right. The way we look yeah. Well, which is which obviously unusual because mostly, obviously, that's the with what the RWBs are known for is obviously the style. But yeah. when you put it down as no, no, this is serious. But they do have the serious race over there, the endurance. I oh mean, yeah, and those guys hammer those cars, and yeah. that, and I think there's a little bit of a stigma, which I was. I mean, afterwards, I, I was guilty of it, also saying, "Oh, I don't know." That my client who came to me to start talking about that, he said. I know you guys do functional stuff, right? But I love the look of this. I also have another RWB that, that serves that look thing. I want a functional car. Yeah. But I love the, you know, and I said, okay, let's do it. And then afterwards, it's just a lot of Stella Artois and cigarette smoking That's afterwards, it. right? Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Um, and then what else have you got going on there? We got it. Then? We're building a, for, for one of our good friends, uh, we're building a 991 GT3. It started life as a 2015 991 GT3 streetcar. And we got all the bodywork from Porsche Motorsport from their GT3R. The, so it's the it's you know it's a foot and a half wider. Mm -hmm. And so we're putting all that bodywork on it, and we're gonna twin turbo that thing. So it's gonna be kind of a Nurburgring monster. Oh, okay. So it still have a license plate on it. <laughs> It'll still have leather interior with, as you said, the Navi, the AC, all the creature comforts. Um, I think our target horsepower is. I mean, my customer says a thousand. I say eight hundred because you can't really drive a thousand on the track. <laughs> so eight hundred is even hard. Um, yeah. So that's another question I was going to ask: Is do you ever find that there's like a sweet spot all the time, all the time? So the over the weekend, even that car making seven forty at the tires, the convertible, I had the I turned the boost down and turned the you know, and I was able to go quicker. You know, so there is there is a you know, we did this car called Project Swan and we took it out to Chuck Walla, and I kept telling Jared turn the boost down he goes it's all the way down 18 pounds was as low as it go then i said all right then ramp it in slower because you, you even think about touching the gas you know at 3000 rpms going into the corner and the turbos are already lit up i mm -hmm. mean it's it's literally you're going from 
from nothing to, you have you know an eighth inch movement on your gas pedal and that's like 300 horsepower and then a quarter inch is 400 you know what i mean so he he was cool because he was able to ramp the boost in slower and, and nicer so you, you you were acting it was almost like driving a 700 horsepower big block whereas na were nice linear power delivery so yeah there's there's a big difference between dyno numbers and what actually is functional on the track you know and and i think jared has a really good him and i communicate really well with that and then I was also going to ask, because I know that you're doing some work outside of the Porsche realm and working on a couple of McLarens yeah. recently. So how is that going, working on the McLaren cars? You know, I never thought I would cheat on Porsche, but working on the McLarens is fun. Um, it's fresh. It's kind of interesting. The, I, I understand they're incredibly easy to work on. They're, the new cars that come out of the factory with this so much room and the ability to like just play around with the engine and things yeah, like no, that? It, it's like everything's vacuum-packed in that car. I mean, if you want to change spark plugs on the 720, you literally have to take all the rear body work off the car, the rear deck lid, the floors. I think you have to take... I think you have to even break the AC lines, you know, so vac the AC out. And, and you know, I, I think that you have to do that on that. But it's... No, they're hard to work on. They're a pain in the ass. and But they're cool. I mean, they're, they're fun to drive. We, you know, so... I, I'm not going after that market, but a lot of our clients have different cars, and then they're starting to, oh, but Tim, can you work on these for us? You know, you've we like what you did on the 911. Can you do this? And so, yeah, you know, it's fun. It's intriguing. You but, don't want to turn friends away. No, absolutely not, you know. And so we just did another car, a 675 LT, that we put big turbos on, injectors, um, ECU tune, all the, the stuff that uh, we just brought in a bunch of different partners like Mitch and, it was, it, it, you know, Dimitri helped design this kit, and it the car was it's kind of scary. I mean, it's. I, I took it out for a test drive. It made seven, seven hundred sixty-three horsepower at the tires on ninety-one octane, and that was only at eighteen pounds of boost. So it's very capable, and the guy just uses it for a canyon car. So we, you know, we did a little suspension work. Wider. And all he needs it for is just to accelerate right up to that thirty-five mile an hour limit, and then he's happy. Yeah. Oh, that's what he wants. Yeah. Just get me to the speed limit as fast as I can. Yep. And then I can. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So I wasn't going to tell you that it has traction issues at hundred miles an hour. <laughs> Well, on the racetrack, on the racetrack yes. obviously, yeah. you can have traction control issues at, the, at 100 mm-hmm. miles an hour, maybe, mm-hmm. with the back end stepping out. But yeah. obviously, when he's carving those canyons, he'd only be going maybe, what is it, 45, 55? I think 45 is the limit. Yeah. yeah. So you need, yeah. Well, who needs to go faster than 45 in the canyons? No, no, absolutely not. No, so that, I mean, we, <clears throat> you know, I, I still want to stay Porsche-centric, and um, I always will. But, you know, if we, if we, like I said, if we do cheat on Porsche a little bit, McLaren is a kind of a it's it's fitting you know the 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 owners are still enthusiasts you know they still they, they most likely they already have a porsche and they wanted something with a, a little more exotic with a mid-engine and that feel where you have the engine strapped to your ass and um but it, it, i think that if we did develop some sort of product line or anything for any other vehicle it'd probably be the mclaren okay and then what about for events the remainder of the year what else i mean we just talked we talked right at the start about rent sport have you got anything else on the go for the remainder of this year you know, we got Rensport. Um, we're doing on the 13th of October. We're doing a half mile event with a GT2 with our good friend Anthony, and that's that's um, that, that car is actually really cool. That's that's got a lot of tech in it. You know, to, I I could go on, but anyways, we got we're doing that on the 13th out in Arizona. Then the 27th, we're going to another airstrip attack up in um, Kalinga with Shift Sector. Also double. Dealing, we're doing a track day with on the 13th, double dipping, but on the 13th of this month, we're doing a track day out at California Speedway with Speed District, and we're kind of hosting kind of a small BBI deal that Jason's running so we can 
get a lot of our clients who don't typically go to the track. And I, what we want to do is a beginner day, right? And oh, just that's fun, man. That's a great idea. Absolutely, yeah. And 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 the stuff that you don't really think about, like what do these flags mean? You know, uh, when they say no passing, are you looking? Have you identified all the turn worker stations? Have you waved to everybody? You know what I mean? All the stuff that you forget when you get your race license. You know, or it's hard to go. You know, you go. Some customer says, "Hey, I want to go out and do some coaching." You go out there, and you're like, "All right, this is how you haul ass." But I forgot to teach you the fundamentals. Yeah. So we're going to fo- focus on all that. No, you I know, mean on that's the 13th. And, incredibly useful, I think, for people out there. Yeah, because you know, everybody, everybody has the hardware to go quickly, but you know, you got, you have to do it right. You yeah. know, and you have to be responsible out there, and you have to know. And you know what the marshal's telling you off. Right, because getting kicked out of a track day on your first track day it's really never yeah. never ideal. Yeah, so we're gonna do that on the thirteenth, and we're gonna probably team up with um, uh, Speed District and do a lot more of those because you know the requests are coming in more and more and more, and um, I think that'd be a lot of fun. And then then after that, you have SEMA, which uh, I think I might be doing the Optima Challenge, the finale, and that in a Porsche again because I wasn't really expecting to do as well as we did out at California Speedway, but. Um, we're gonna go to that. And are you then, gonna pack the surfboard again, or are you gonna maybe take a, a different car? No, I think I'm gonna take that convertible again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if Joe lets me. And then, um, yeah, then after that, you know, it kind of kind of mellows out a little bit till the new year, you know. And but the winter builds are starting from the East Coast, so those engines are starting to show up. Uh-huh. Um, and the track days are starting to show up more and more now because it's cooled off. So now we have the Southern California track season. It's gonna be hot now. Um, Which is one of the benefits of living here in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah, and so aside it, from obviously the parking lot of the four hundred five, it sometimes has some perks here. Yeah, you get you get perks. You know, yeah. it's kind of a neat place to live. Um, so yeah, it's it. We don't really have a, kind of a cool down period. Ah, sometimes it's, October was supposed to be, but it it wasn't, and it's not going to be. You know, last year wasn't, and this, but um, it and just, it's kind of nice not to have a cool down period, so you can keep all those guys that you've got working working. Yeah, yeah. Like when I worked when I worked in Seattle, um, it was always all worrisome in the winter months you know it, things got slow mm-hmm. you know and so um but rightfully so everybody parks their cars and they go skiing you know nobody cares about their cars anymore so no. um yeah so that's that's kind of that and you know next year we're going to be building some cool cars we've we've got two really awesome projects coming down um and then uh we're, we're really heavily developing our product line and you know get getting a lot of actually really really you know the cool part about our product line it's really we got introduced to a lot of other porsche shops through that because they started picking it up and there's a lot of cool stuff out there no that, and that you don't it, that you don't typically see when you get your head buried in your in your business you know so it's been really cool to i mean there's so many cool porsche shops out there yeah that, and i mean we talked about obviously the work that singer does but there's so many other companies out there that's making incredible cars yeah and making incredible products that you and i have to say that i think it probably pushes everyone along in the right direction it absolutely does yeah and, and you know it causes everybody to, to need to level up you yeah because no matter how good you think you are there's always three other people on your heels saying oh i can do that better yeah you know and they do they'll end up they'll end up showing you something that you're like ah man you know I yeah i used to think i was the you know but it's you know it's just um it's and just I, a lot of a lot of cool stuff happening and there also seems to be especially here again in, in southern california a lot of the shops that can do specialist things that you don't realize and you have that ability to like work with them or plan projects together and, right. and, and work on other things like that yeah no and i mean absolutely and you know touching back on the air-cooled movement you know we were primary I mean, now i have i think four air-cooled five air-cooled projects here that we're working on currently and Jared's building two other air-cooled engines right now and um 
that so we kind of invested a little bit in in the 964993 and built a billet upright for the front because the the factory RS the RS club supporter they called it the GT2 front upright became unavailable on I think the right side of it and so we built a billet one and kind of took all the cool attributes of that and then took the attributes of the 991 front kind of the weird geometry that it has that actually works pretty well and then some stuff from the 997 the Ackerman and and, and teamed up with with Scarbo and and Dimitri and who works here we've built this pretty neat product that I never thought people would you know, so we initially want to build ten sets, and then we just because that made sense financially. For, yeah, so you got to like a, I'm at, assuming there's a point where you got to say this is our ten set was our we're still we'll we'll be broke at the end of it, but yeah. we'll have some cool parts. Yeah, you know, we won't be in the hole. Yeah. and now I think we're up to our next run. We just got a run of twenty back from the machinist and the anodizing. Um, I think we're at fifty sets now. Yeah, which is that was yeah thirty. So this will be we have nine left. You know, so I think we're just going to keep making them, and it just shows the the enthusiasm and the energy that people want to. They, sure, we could go buy a, a brand new nine nine seven or a brand new nine nine one, but nothing beats driving the the air cool car. So let's, I guess, make that car work yeah. really well. And so with that being the case, but Tim, if anyone's wanting to reach out to you to like get in touch, if they need some work doing on their cars, what's the best way for them to reach you? Or find you online, I should say. Aside from MySpace, obviously. Yeah, you call Tom at MySpace. Yeah, and he'll <clears throat> no, put you on. Um, our website, bbiautosport.com. Um, our Instagram. Uh, the best way, because you know, six people are on this email, is our sales at bbiautosport.com. Because um, if I don't get it, somebody will. You know, and then it always gets funneled in the right direction. Um, but yeah, that's you know that's the the easiest way to get a hold of us, or just come down and visit us and say hang out for a little bit. Smell the smell the fuel and the tires and and when you're finished your janitorial duties you'll happily like say hello to someone right absolutely see look it's it's great but but Tim I'd like to say thank you so much for making time today to to talk with me here oh absolutely thanks for coming really appreciate it. and for all the listeners out there obviously you can uh, find us at no breaking at www.nobreaking.com n o b r a k i n g dot com and find us at no breaking on Facebook and Instagram. And always, you can hear us talk to someone else every week. And if you've got any questions, please let us know in the comments, and we'll see you then. Thanks again. Bye-bye.